ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the pod, post-emergency pod, post-Rion mental breakdown, I think, at least. Um, <laughs> Rion had such a mental breakdown that I had to get a new microphone to help him cope with wow, everything going slander. on. slander. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how we're starting off this week. But no, it's, it's a brand new week. It's mid-September officially. I think fall is also officially here, even though it's not really that cool out yet. But it's... Uh, we're moving. We're moving. The obviously the queen died, so no Premier League <laughs> this past weekend. Um, yeah. I didn't mean to laugh there, by the way. That was more of just a a sad. Yeah, how dare you laugh? Was... None of the, none of the none of the the common folk can have fun. <laughs> right I, know, I know. No one. No one can watch uh, any any football. Uh, unfortunately, no but... sports. No comedy events. I think well, one of the two <laughs> things that they named it was like, yeah. Wow, so literally no fun. Yeah, not not much, but. We did get rid of the return of NFL football, which which is like the most like revolutionary 1776-esque you could get on the, like the, <laughs> the, the, the not the eve, but I guess post-passing of yeah. uh yeah. So yeah. <laughs> we I have the return of some sports. Yeah. I, I I'm curious if any of the NFL games did like the moment of silence or whatever. Oh, I don't know. That's actually a good question. Oh, no, they did on Thursday night. Oh, that's what I saw. First, yeah. Yep. Yep. The first game, uh, LA and who do they play? Uh, the Bills. The Bills. There you go. Uh, yeah, they had their moment of silence in which it was not silent at all. I can confidently yeah. tell you that. Um, <laughs> but at the very least, football is back. The Eagles are back. They barely beat like the, the skeleton of a team, oh, which is concerning, gosh. but... They you know. couldn't tackle Jared Goff in open field. <laughs> I, I was off to myself. That was crazy. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. But hey, Jalen Hurts can throw sometimes. That's what I he, learned. He can. He can. And AJ yeah, Brown, your tweet slandering him was not fair. I didn't. I never. I, we didn't even. Talk I about I this. watched that whole game. It's, <laughs> so did look, I, man. I want the guy to do well. I want him to do well. <laughs> but our whole offense is him running around and and just and bailing us out fair enough bailing out like getting first downs and stuff but we like other than that one pass we don't throw the ball more than like eight yards on any play <laughs> yeah so it's yeah. like uh it's yeah yeah i i'm just like remembering the playoff game last last year against <laughs> Tampa Bay, where it was just like wow, oh, we can't yeah. do anything <laughs> this is yeah. like why am i watching that was that was really brutal. Um, you should tune in to 97.5 and give them your thoughts. <laughs> I'm sure they would. I'm sure they would appreciate it. Oh man! But at the very least, we still have some football to talk about, right? We have the Champions League, both week one, match day one, and we also have dun, 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 La Liga, the one league, at least one major league that I spent time watching this weekend. I know <laughs> Rian. Did you get did you get a chance to watch much at all? I I watched um oh my gosh. I watched some of Valencia and that was that was a chore. A chore. <laughs> yeah, uh, honestly, um, if you had told me you were going to do that I would recommend it against it, but here we are. <laughs> I watched I watched Atleti play and nice. you know, got to watch Antoine Griezmann get his, his customary cameo now. <laughs> it's actually just that's always hilarious and yeah. I mean and that Carrasco goal was was also beautiful too. Yeah, yeah. Atleti are churning, and the rest of La Liga had 
some pretty like there were just a lot of goals this weekend. I think one of the things that I didn't even mention to you before we started recording, right? Um, our friend Ernesto Valverde at Bilbao racking up four goals against Elche, a team that is pretty difficult to break down, but nonetheless, yeah, Valverde is very, certainly at home uh, for for Bilbao. But Brian, before we get to the Champions League, we're going to start in La Liga or the rest of La Liga. I want to start and talk about the big two teams. I want to talk about Real Madrid and talk about Barcelona. Both of them scoring four goals, one keeping a clean sheet, <clears throat> my team. The other team not, uh, unfortunately, keeping a clean sheet. But where of these two games do you want to start? Let's start with Real Madrid. Let's do it. I, I actually did. I actually did watch a good amount of the, of the Barca game. So I. Oh, I okay. Agree. That was the one. That was the one other thing. But oh, um, before you say anything else, you know, yes. I went to Banter Bar on Saturday. I forgot to tell you this. Oh, nice. But it was totally empty because there were no Premier League games. So it was <laughs> me and a friend of mine just watching the Barcelona game, like almost by ourselves. Oh my god! It was packed on Friday night for the U.S. Open. Oh games, really? Actually, it was, which was interesting. Yeah, I walked past it. Yeah, but anyway, continue. Yes, Real yes. Madrid. Let's start. Start with start with Real Madrid. Um, a f- start for Eden Hazard. Yep. Right. I think I saw like the papers like the day before <laughs> something that was like last chance for Eden Hazard. It's like, damn, it's been like four years. I don't. Think- <laughs> yeah it's it's his last this is the first last chance, chance? <laughs> yeah it's his first last chance last first i don't know how to phrase it but yeah but obviously he, it didn't start very well for them no it didn't right. it did not start very well for them and and mallorca are a very sneaky team right i think one of the things that we need to remind ourselves with is that they do have probably i would say one or two very very good players I think the most well-known of all of those being, um, or it was, I believe, Taki Kubo uh, before before he went to Real Sociedad, or am I forget? Am I switching teams now? More importantly, Kangin Lee, yeah. also coming from, I believe, Espanol before this, um, was just fantastic. Uh, excuse me, Valencia was not amazing in this game specifically, but more importantly, uh, they're kind of their star player, in my opinion. Mallorca are a team that defend very compactly. Like they, they defend very, very compactly, defend very well. Aguirre has just a, a very well-oiled machine uh, in terms of a defensive side, in my opinion. And that really, really helped through for the first 30 minutes. Now, with that header that they scored kind of midway through the first half, you felt like, okay, without Benzema, what, like, what is Real Madrid's response going to be? now like what are they going to do in the absence of their star player and <laughs> Fede Valverde yeah, decided yeah, yeah. he was going to uh throw me to the wolves as they say and become prime messy and just run from his <laughs> own his own third all the way to scoring like a golasso golasso you know what I mean like that yeah. was ridiculously impressive and from there this, I mean, the side opened up, or the game opened up in the second half, like completely opened up. And I'll get to to Vinny and Rodrigo in a second, but yeah, that first that first half closed immaculately for <laughs> for Real Madrid. Fede Hive, where are we? Oh no, yeah, stand, no, up. No. stand up, no. 
No. <laughs> two years. I've been saying it for two years. I know you have, but you don't get to claim one moment as a shining, shining grace or saving <laughs> grace. But Fetty Valverde has has already had a very good start to the season, no doubt. He has played Jason in power merchant. <laughs> The definition of a box-to-box midfielder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he has had a good start to the season. You're, you're entirely right. He has progressed the ball very well. Um, I'm not the one to have the stats in comparison to the rest of La Liga's midfielders right now. I'm sure you would love to correct me on that. But in terms of his progressive runs, especially in the right, right, right-sided channel, he's been immaculate. Um, certainly someone that I would favor over Lucas Vasquez nine the nine times out of a hundred right now. Um, and so I thought, I thought he was immaculate in this game. His goal was obviously amazing, but more importantly, I think what he offers the side is similar to what Deong offers in his ability to drive through lines. Valverde does that in a more like physical and rigid sense. But when you have two players in Kamavinga and Chouameni around you, I think it balances out really well. And I think you saw some of that in that game and that occurred more so in the second half when Kamavinga came on as well which leads me to my next point about Vinny Jr. and Rodrigo, right? Both of those players combining for goals and assists. And in the absence of Kareem Benzema, I think the question has been like, okay, can Vinicius actually become that guy? Can he become the player that in Benzema's absence scores the goals when you need it and steps up to help and lift up his teammates? The answer, I think, is very much yes, and I felt that way before this game, but this game, I think, just validated a lot, like very much how Real Madrid fans feel about him, which is very, very high. Um, so he I was taking the, the, the next step. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, last season, last season, he did, of course. Right. But it's just continuing. Like It's it's funny, like, like progress and um I guess just like just becoming a better player it's not it's not linear it's like you always have to remember that no. with these players right it's like the first two at least two seasons he really looked like kind of he looked like a kid out there right? yeah. Like he, he was yeah like he looked a bit overmatched um a lot of times and I think that I don't think I was fully convinced about him really until last season and fair play to him like he's like I said taken his game to another level and now to be doing it uh, let's see what how consistently he can do it because that's that's also the next step is like that consistency which he had last season but almost all of it was with Benzema and they were a great pair together but let's see how it progresses with uh with with the likes of Hazard um or Rodrigo even at who may even get some time playing center forward as well. So that's, that's the, the leap that he's made is, is just kind of astounding to think about the player that he was two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And I think the one thing that everyone's looking for is just consistency. Like he doesn't even, I, in my opinion, I don't think he needs to become God tier this season. Right. I think he just, if he keeps up the same level of performances as last season, that's a success to me, 100% of success. I mean, he scored the, like the winning goal in the champions league final and over 15 goals that season before that. So that to me is, is already a big win. What I'm really curious about this real Madrid side going forward is to your point, how does Eden Hazard fit into this game? He started in that number nine role, right? Which is not 
something correct me if i'm wrong he really ever played in at chelsea so completely foreign um but Ancelotti's basically said he's going to play for us in that role for the next three games. And might I remind you, their next three games are Leipzig in the Champions League, the Madrid Derby, and then Osasuna. So none of those games are easy. And I don't quite honestly know how Hazard's going to perform. I know he obviously scored at midweek for Celtic or against Celtic, not for Celtic. Oh, God. (laughs) But he scored against Celtic. Although he also missed a penalty, right? And so yeah. it, I just like, do you have any expectations of him? I just, I genuinely don't know. I mean, expect. this is, this is his going to be his first like, consistent run of games. And yeah. I mean, at least since Ancelotti has, has come in. Right. Um, and granted, a lot of that has had to do with just him being injured. Right. It's not necessarily him not playing well. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. This is the healthiest he's been <laughs> probably since signing for them. Um, and I still have hope. I still have hope that he's obviously not going to be the player that they expected him to be when they got him. Right. Like that's, that ship has probably sailed. And part of that is because of the rise of Vinicius, right? Like he, yeah. he's just not going to be relied upon as that type of play as that, um, significant of a player to the team. And also Vinicius is playing in the position that you know Hazard has played in for most of his career and there's just no way he's displacing Vinicius right now so no no it's it's gonna be really interesting to see him be more of a I don't want to use the word peripheral because that's kind of it's kind of disrespectful like like he's gonna be (laughs) starting games like yeah he's he's still gonna be an important player while he's starting these games right but in the sense that he's gonna have to like be even more of a support role right and i think that honestly yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, literally (laughs) yeah but i think that kind of that kind of fits him i mean not not saying that he was always like that kind of player necessarily where like he's not the he can't be the best guy on the team absolutely he can but i think the supporting role kind of works for him because even back at his time at Chelsea, like he's not a guy who necessarily loves to shoot a lot either. And he, and he loves a link up play. And I think they could form a pretty good relationship um, with Vinny while, while Benzema is out. Now he's, he's not going to give you the goals that Benzema is going to give you that. That's no, I mean, no, very few there's people like will. <laughs> two, maybe two other guys in the world that, that could do that. <laughs> but um, from just like team play and, not being like a huge drop off from from Benzema in terms of like just the attacking play, I think that he's still a guy that can be relied upon in that sense. Fair, maybe not to be the decisive finisher, but right. That's can, fair. I think that his skills can still accentuate the strengths of Vinicius, and I think that might be the best situation for him, right? Where he does not have to be relied upon as a, as a focal point, and more so just focus on being what. I guess is the best version of himself right now. Cause we don't yeah. know what that version really looks like, but we certainly hope that it's wonderful and fantastic. <laughs> um, despite me, of course, not liking real Madrid, but we'll move, we'll move away from real Madrid. Rian, let's talk about their arch rivals. Of course, let's talk about Barcelona for a second. Cause I think that's where you wanted to go Four nil win against Cadiz. And before I even get into the actual game, I think it's important to know what happened 
in towards the end of the second half, uh, towards the end of, of full time, which was a fan in the stands um, falling unconscious due to a heart attack. The game was paused for 30 minutes. Ledesma, Kadith is, Kad, Kad, I can't even talk anymore. Kadith, keeper. <laughs> goalkeeper, Ledesma, um, did an absolutely incredible life-saving job of getting a defibrillator from across the field from the Barca physios, running it across to where the fan in the stands had actually fallen ill. And we got word that, you know, after an hour or so, we were 30 minutes of being looked at, taken to the hospital, et cetera. He was in stable condition, doing well. Um, and it's just a reminder that there are a lot, there are two reminders. Life is very fragile. And B, there are a lot of things that go on outside of the world of football. We're all screaming and shouting. So just little things to be grateful for. Um, so yeah, very, very like just heartwarming moment in some way. Um, see that happen, but just yeah. glad everyone kind of is all right. It was a beautiful scene, like to see him running and then throwing the defibrillator up and, and the dog yeah. catching it. So, like, it um, yeah, I mean, we unfortunately we've seen too much of this in the last year and a half, basically, yeah. um, in, in in football stadiums. But it, it's they always respond very quickly, and it's it's good to know that like if, even if you're in that type of that type of atmosphere, that there's still there's still a lot of people around that are that are not gonna like just let you go just like, basically yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, like, yeah for lack of a better term like, like that it, it is great that all of these clubs and all these stadiums have such good responses to this stuff because you know it's, it's very easy for the game to just keep, go by right and then it's, it's too late or something like that right so it, it's it's always good to see how quick the responses are yeah and and honestly, like just truly incredible. <laughs> like I don't yeah. I don't know if there's any way to to say it other than that. It was just truly incredible to see. So shout out to to Kadith. But unfortunately, a four 0 loss. Um, two of those goals came after the the game was restarted in the second half. So basically, in the span of about seven minutes. Um, but in that first half, Kadith honestly played relatively well. They. Yeah. And I thought this was really interesting. Their XG by the end of the game was about 0.35, which doesn't sound great, right? When you when you just read that out loud. But when you consider the fact that their XG over the first four games of the season was 0.75, they basically <laughs> 1.5x their XG in one game at home. And oh, even though yeah. they lost by four goals, like they did have some very clear chances to to put put one past Ter Stegen. So Something to be, I mean, somewhat proud of, honestly. It sounds weird, like in a four-no loss, but like that, yeah. that's not terrible. Yeah, that that first half was kind of a struggle for for Barcelona, right? Like it, it I know that they did end up getting goal before they made the substitutions, but yeah, the first half was just a little I don't know if I don't know if part of it was some of those players had played midweek, right? And maybe some tired legs there, but yeah, they, they weren't able to really create clear cut chance. I know that there was the, that one good chance from uh, Rafinha and he hit the post, right? Yeah, uh, but I mean, it could have been a different game after that. So it's a good point. 100%. And so, you know, second half, when you have the options to bring on the attackers that they can bring on, it's like, it, I, you know, I was not sure how it was going to or how well it might look 
playing Dembele and Rafinha on on opposite opposite wings, wings right? Especially when Dembele was so good in that right wing spot last season, and and Rafinha also is mostly a right winger too. But you do see them kind of switch places a lot. It's I mean, at the end of the day, Dembele's ability to run at pace with the ball, it it just kind of makes him it just kind of makes him totally versatile to play on on either side and you're not losing really anything. Um you're not you're not losing not losing a lot. Yeah, I think they're I think on the right hand side they are both better. It's just ever so slightly. Um especially because I and I think this is more to do with the way Barcelona is structured, right? From a left back perspective, Jordi Alba almost always dominates some of the the final third left channel spaces mm-hmm. or Balde in this case. Whereas on the right hand side, little less so, and Barcelona's right backs tend to be a little more inverted, and so that frees up a lot of space for both Rafinha and Dembele to run into. So I think it's just a product of setup rather than player. But you bring up a good point because thinking ahead to the Bayern game, I am very curious how Xavi lines up. Like I'm very, very curious. I think it could go one of one of two ways. I think we could see a three four three potentially deployed, where in order to get just an even midfield <laughs> performance, like we could see an extra midfielder, um, or it's just a standard four three three. And I think they just try and torch Bayern on pace because th- their fullbacks are so high. So it, you bring up a really good point about Rafinha and Dembele because they could either have a field day like just finding space in behind Byron, or it's just going to be a slaughter fest that I, I just don't know which <laughs> one it is. <laughs> well, well, the matchup against Davies, whoever, whoever's playing on the right wing for Barcelona, um, the matchup against Alfonso Davies is going to be really fun. I can almost, I can tell you right now, if Rafinha starts, it's going to be Rafinha because Xavi, at least if I'm putting the lineup out, will mm-hmm. one Dembele against Pavard. Every, like nine right. times out yeah. of ten, I I actually would love to watch that, but I don't know. I don't know what Xavi is thinking. So the four 0 win, I think, was just a healthy, you know, preview. Yeah, and and to, to speak a little bit about the guy who got his third, the third goal on Sufati, I'm I'm curious. What do you think is the plan with him with Xavi? Because he has no reason to rush him back at all. Because again, he's still coming. He's still coming back from an injury, right? And still, you like very similar to I feel like what we're seeing from um, Dortmund and Giorena. Like I'm sure Barcelona are thinking the same thing. Like this guy is our future. Like we don't let's not rush him back right now. Let's be as patient as we can with him. And they have the ability to do that right now. Anyway, like it's it's there's really no rush for him to come back. But I'm, I'm curious your your thoughts on how you think the season's going to progress for him from a from a playing like minute standpoint and and kind of what yeah. his stature in the team is going to be this is probably the one question that i think even the barcelona doctors don't know the answer to but if i had to guess i feel like Xavi's already determined what his front three is right Lewandowski or Lewandowski however you want to pronounce it uh Dembélé and Rafinha I think that's very clear. That's a starting front three, but there are going to be so many games this season, plus the world cup that he is going to have to rotate that front three. I mean, you saw it even in this game, right? The entire team was in some ways rotated. And so 
that's going to be the case where I think you're going to start to see Ansu by, let's say, maybe January, play 50% of the games, somewhere in that range. There, I'm sure there will be injuries too, right, in and out. So that that is bound to happen. But having the luxury to rest him is, I think, the biggest thing because bubble wrap him, put him in an ice mm-hmm. bath, wrap him up in Christmas wrapping, I don't care, <laughs> but he he is priceless. Yeah, but I mean, nothing else to say. Like he is truly I, the chosen one of those. Yeah, of, I th- of those the young Barcelona players right now. I think I, no, has, no one's going to say a, a bad thing at all about Pedri or Gavi, of <laughs> course. But but I think Fati has like the best chance of any of them to like win the Ballon d'Or. So yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So. With that, Rian, I want to briefly shift focus towards the rest of La Liga. Most importantly, I'll hit on on one game that caught my interest and then the biggest game of the weekend. Usually we do our game of the week and go from there, but there's just so much that happened. Sevilla getting their first win of the season against Espanyol. But of course, they couldn't, couldn't do it without an insane amount of stress by the end of this game. Um, Sevilla were at one point 3-0 up, close to the end of halftime. Jose Lu scores a penalty. Martin Brathwaite then scores about midway through, I believe, the, the second half. And then Eric Lamella gets a red card in the 83rd, 84th minute, something like that, leading to an extremely nervy ending in which Espanyol had a majority of the possession. They had a majority of the passes. Like, this is not a game that Sevilla overly dominated, you know, come the second half. But in the first half, they they certainly played really well. But their inability to defend, again, just continues. And it is shocking. Yeah, it it was one of those games where they just needed the win. Like, that was more than anything else, we just needed to win. But you're not seeing anything from this team that makes you hopeful of them being able to turn it around or or at least turn it around in the sense of, you know, being a champions league finishing team or contending for, for champions league places. Right. So it's, I I thought they were okay against man city, right. For they were okay against city. Um, I think that, I think that scoreline is actually just slightly misleading. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They were okay against city. It's just, you know, obviously they don't have the players to beat City at this moment, and you throw on top of the form they were in, like there was no shot, right? But uh, I, I still fear for Julian Lopetegui. I, d- I just don't, still don't see. I don't see where this team is going to consistently score goals from, even though they scored three this past weekend. I just don't see where the goals are going to come from. But I think the key word there is consistently, right? Like yeah. I, I agree with you, and the series is not getting consistent minutes right i mean ocampos is gone right so papu gomez maybe is your your answer there but even then not a 20 goal a season striker um at all and might i add right their next five games basically their entire schedule from mid-september to mid-october is brutal they have villarreal this upcoming weekend they have atletico madrid they have dortmund in the champions league they have Bilbao and then they have Dortmund again in the Champions League. So 
there is a very good chance that Lapatiki does not make it to the end of October at that rate. Yeah, it's, it's almost come to the point where you're thinking, I don't know. Like, look, the World Cup's going to be a great time for a lot of teams to just restart, a full restart, and just really consider should we go, should we really risk the rest of our season with our coach, right? So let's see if he even makes it to that point, right? But, yeah. Yeah, you know, play play Villarreal next, a team that only that conceded their first goal of the season this past yeah. weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's just not going to get any easier. I believe the phrase is not sustainable <laughs> at this point. <laughs> like this is that is the definition of of Sevilla. Nothing that they're doing right now, unfortunately, is sustainable. But Riyadh, you brought up a great game, the game of the weekend, if you will. Normally, we start with the game of the weekend, but like I said, so much to talk about. Sevilla, or not Sevilla, <laughs> Real Betis, Real Betis against Villarreal, Benito Villamarín, wonderful, wonderful stadium, all in green and white. I, in recent memory, cannot remember a game that felt so lopsided and the team that dominated and got so many chances did not end up winning, at least in La Liga. I genuinely, like, I struggled to think of a game that I was I mean, how like, many like, one-on-ones like, did Villarreal have? Like, like four. Two or three, three at least. Yeah. <laughs> it was relentless from Villarreal. But some somehow, somehow the one lapse in concentration that they had from a ball in from Luis Henrique uh finished off at the very back post <laughs> following Chukweze just I guess falling asleep and not realizing who he was marking. Real Betis ran away and got like it was a robbery. Like they found the one chance that Villarreal even like conceded the entire, not even the entire game, but the entire season, and managed to finish that. So, Rian, I don't even know what to make of this. Villarreal's first goal conceded, their first loss. They were never going to go perfect, but do you like? Do you feel negatively now towards any one team, or at least? Villarreal specifically in this case do you like do you feel like this hurts them in any significant way because I don't think I I think you have to be encouraged from their yeah from an attacking point of view right like like we know how good this team is defensively right like one of the I think they had the best defense in the league last season right one of I believe especially in this in the second half of the season they had the the best best defense yep yeah so the question has always been with them uh consistent chance creation right and they'll be encouraged from what they were able to do against against betis here and (laughs) they just kind of get beat with a really really quality piece of play from betis but the atmosphere of this game from the highlights i was watching was just beautiful this was like you know how i tweeted out this weekend about go watch la liga go watch this game like instead of not watching football this weekend, that's like, I'm glad you said that because this game was really, really beautifully played. Like this wasn't a boring game. This wasn't like a nil nil with just, or or, or a one nil with uh, a goal at the end. And, you know, everyone runs away. Like there were chances galore, right? There were chances from the wide areas. There were chances just carved up through the middle. I feel like the one I'll say the one letdown because we always do talk about surprises and, and disappointments. I was a little disappointed in Jeremy Pino and just 
kind of how isolated he became. I, I will say just like that, that isn't, I think a coincidence. I, for one thought Alex Moreno did a really well, great job. Uh, Betis's left back at containing Jeremy Pino, but there were so many little battles like that, like across the entire pitch. Right. And unfortunately, right. Gerard Moreno went out injured, but at the start of the game, Gerard Moreno against Borja Iglesias, right. Two very, very good strikers in La Liga. Unfortunately, neither scored, but just wonderful, wonderful football. I don't, I honestly don't think there's like anything else to like analyze or say. It's just like, this is a really, really great tactical battle. I thought it was a very, very well played out game and I loved it. Yeah. Uh, these are two teams that I think we're expecting to be fighting for top four. Uh, again, to stay on, on Villarreal, like, they, they really should not take, shouldn't be disappointed about the result of this game. They they still played really well. And you look at their underlying numbers so far for this season, they've got the third best. Again, we're only five games in, so we need to see. <laughs> yeah, we need to yeah, see yeah. Uh, like we need a bit more sample size, but um five games in they've got the third best expected goal difference in the league behind Barca and, and Real Madrid like that bodes That's well for the for the rest of the season so I think they sh- they still have to feel really good about just the form that this team is in even if they didn't get the win definitely 100 percent, 100 percent. so well with that Rian, I think that wraps up everything La Liga related I wanted to talk about um the only other should I mention I guess uh a surprising thing my, probably my surprising thing was Eden Hazard not only starting but just continuing to play for, for <laughs> Real Madrid um that is certainly the case um and I think I mentioned my my disappointments as well but with that let's take a quick break we'll talk about the Champions League right when we get back and we'll wrap up uh we'll wrap up there All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about Europe's biggest competition. Let's talk about the Champions League. Let's talk about probably um, probably the tournament that gives us the most heartache, right, in the world. I don't know. Sometimes it's yes. the World Cup, but probably probably the Champions League, I would argue, is more. <laughs> so, because <laughs> yeah, we have lower expectations for the World Cup. Yeah, so. that, yeah, that might be more of a personally us. Yeah. <laughs> like the World Cup will give us. Let, let's like see. Let's Brazilian see in four fan. years. It, it might be. In four years, when it's in the U.S., it it will probably give it, make us give us way more heartbreak. But yeah, a hundred percent. Well, with that, Rand, let's talk about the Champions League. Oh, I actually that reminded me, we're going to see Argentina play in like two weeks. Oh yeah, I'm very excited for that. Going to see them play against Jamaica. So that I'm looking forward to from a World Cup standpoint. But I digress. I almost said World Cup, Champions League, Champions <laughs> League. Let's start with we're going to go over basically our two biggest games from match week one in the champions league. We have to start with the obvious, right? I didn't even run this by you, but we have to start with the obvious. We're of course going to be talking about Shaq. To- no, um, <laughs> Napoli, <laughs> Liverpool, right? Napoli, Liverpool. Um, if I tell you the score of this game was four, one and you tell me, or you ask me, Oh, so, so Liverpool won four, one. That's normally how how you would think it would go, but this squad is a very different squad than it was three years ago. And Rian, Liverpool Even falling one year ago, 
even one year ago yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. how about how about five five months ago yeah 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 super fair <laughs> i was going for a dramatic effect but you're so right <laughs> so rian liverpool falling 4-1 away to napoli is in some ways just a continuation of their poor performances throughout the season this isn't something new that we've seen through the first four to five games of the season what did you take away from from this game because realistically by the end of the first half it felt like it was over and normally in a liverpool game you think to yourself oh okay they're down one nil even two nil they'll get a goal and then the tide will change momentum will come back but and i have many thoughts that i will share in a second <laughs> this was not that no it was not that at all i mean i think first half XG for Napoli was something like 3.3 or something like that. They underperformed. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Well, they had a penalty miss, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, and look, the penalties, the two penalties that they got, obviously, are what's heavily weighting the XG, but they fully deserved those two penalties. <laughs> and those two penalties came not out of nothing. Like, it, it was, it came from them ripping through Liverpool's midfield specifically like time and time again and um and i mean especially victor osaman like he played 40 minutes and was just a fucking menace for 40 <laughs> minutes like, he, he played 40 minutes he, and had, had, he had like a personal vendetta <laughs> it, it, it looked like he was just like violent like he just he, that's how you watch him play that's pretty much his style like he yeah he will always try to make those runs in behind and credit to Napoli because they found him. They just kept, they just kept finding him. Um, and I couldn't think of a scarier player to play against when you play a high line. <laughs> like that's just, just, that's a terrifying player to play against. Um, okay, I'll, I'll throw out, I'll throw out Dembele, but yes, I, I'm not, I'm not like taking away fair enough. at all. <laughs> fair enough. Like, fair enough. like Dembele's yes. going to do his damage on the ball most of the time. He, fair. So, like, it, it, I'm talking about Osterman's just running in behind, yeah. and, and you're just praying that you step at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> you're praying for it. Which um, which Liverpool did not do. They did not. Like, 80% of the time? Yeah. yeah so, like, they really did in not. that range, because I, I did mean, the, actually go back and look what at was just... it, a minute and a half in, he, yeah. <laughs> he gets behind and just, and, like, and also gets around Allison, which not a lot of players can do. And and just is denied by the post, right? To think, talk about how dominant he was. He went 40 minutes and he had a team high in shot creating action with six of them. So it, he was a menace. He was a menace. But I don't know, but from the Liverpool side, it's really a continuation of a lot of the same issues that we saw against Manchester United, right? Where they couldn't stop anything in that midfield and credit to Napoli too, because their midfield was fantastic in that game. Um, they, yep. they really played one, two touch beautifully. I mean, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, but <laughs> the Georgian player, I think it's Kavicha, the left winger, like, same time him, like they had, I want to say like less than 40% of possession. They had 40% possession. And they dominated that game because every time they got the ball, they were running past Liverpool players, um, whether it was through dribbling or whether it was from, I am thinking about the Anguissa goal where just straight up, 
no one's tracking runs. Uh, Liverpool players like just they not stopped. there mentally. Uh, they, yeah, yeah. It's, I, it's I'll stop for there and let, let you come back because I could go. No, on. <laughs> you you are you are ranting and going on about the same things that I would. And when we talk about how Napoli tore through Liverpool's midfield, we have to talk about this in the context of who Liverpool Liverpool actually put out onto the field, right? Let's talk about that lineup for a second. So are we going to have the conversation around Milner? Are we going to have the conversation around basically (laughs) Tiago not being around? Are are we going to have the conversation about Harvey Elliott? I I don't even think Harvey Elliott was the problem, quite honestly. No, no, I don't think so. He was was the the unfortunate bystander. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's tough it's tough on him because he's just a, a very attack minded player. So and that's even though fine. he will, he will, and that's fine. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. He does do, a, he will come back and try to press and stuff, but you just can't expect that when you lose the ball, he's going to be in position to yeah. stop, to stop a transition. Right? Well, that's what um, Fabinho's job is. Right. Yeah. And, and he's having to cover a lot of space. Exactly. Now. That was the biggest problem I felt like. And in the Manchester United game as well, right? Like there is so much space being opened up because in part, yes, Harvey Elliott is being pulled out of position. He is a young midfielder that is learning his positional play. I think that's fair. But James Milner consequently cannot cover. He like simply cannot cover that sort of physically. ground anymore. <laughs> yeah, he physically just cannot. And, and it's okay to admit, right? It's it's important to, in fact, I would actually say it's a yeah. necessity to, to point that out. But Right now, I think it's actually so heavily negatively impacting the way Liverpool defend. And, I mean, I could talk about James Milner not being able to run back for, like, a year and just making it a meme. But additionally, we do have to talk about Joe Gomez and Trent, right? Oh, yeah. Both, both of them unable to stop a pass, seemingly, in defensive transitions. I it it felt like everybody switched off. It really did. It really yeah. felt like nobody was around for that. And I think was it whose goal was it? Um, on I think it was. I think it was, was the, it Simeone's. It was G- think, Giovanni Simeone's. Of, yeah, if we're thinking of the we're thinking of the talking of the clip where Trent is legitimately jogging and then jogging. He stopped at best. Yeah, at best. He's yeah, <laughs> yeah, best, really. Um, and and Joe Gomez is just weak. But I mean, like for lack of a better term, like he was getting him and and Trent were getting destroyed by by Kavacha. I again, no idea if I'm saying that name correctly. Probably <laughs> not. Uh, but <laughs> but I mean, Gomez has looked poor pretty much the entire season. But this game was, I was shocked. I was actually I was shocked at how poor he was. Uh, it, especially a guy that I. Th- that I thought like a couple years ago, not that he would be anywhere close to as good as like what I didn't think he'd be like one of the best center backs in the league or something like that. But you're talking about just a, a solid partner. Like you don't, you're playing yeah. next to Van Dyke, who granted has had his own issues this season and, and, and could not really keep up with uh, Osiman on his own, but you have to get more from Gomez. Like, they, like this is this is a real issue. Joe Matip is not a spring chicken in in his own. 
And yet, when he came on in the second half, when when Joe Gomez was I think, hooked hooked at halftime, like the upgrade there is still so obvious. Like it's still such a significant upgrade right now, and and that's something that I'm not sure Liverpool really planned for, right? To just to really only have two center backs that they can trust for the entire season. Yeah, and that is something that is is not really easily fixed by you know changing play style or something like that like it's that's going to be an issue for the entire season do you think it gets better truly do you think it gets better for Liverpool because from a defensive standpoint and from a midfield standpoint they brought in Artur so they've got that going for them even though (laughs) I don't think that's the solution to all of this. And defensively, the one thing that I pointed out to you and you've rightly corrected me on is they need better high quality depth at fullback. And you were like, remember Simikas? Do you remember? I forget who else they signed. I think uh, the season. I, I, I can't remember. I think his last name's Ramsey. Like, yeah. They do have a backup right back who is like 19 so again you can't really rely on him right so that's kind of my point right like is that enough like sure i i i don't know i doubt it personally i do but the biggest problem i think liverpool have may not actually just be like the lack of physicality with James Milner. I don't think it's the the numerous individual like errors that they make. I actually think it's just seemingly like the negative attitude of this team right now. Like this team seems seems to think that they are the team of 2 years ago, of last year, right? Like they are going to just naturally make a title push and I think they've fallen into that that mental space of just thinking, okay, we're going to show up as if it's just a regular day at work almost. Like, yeah. I, I always hate to use that analogy, but the the ability to run for, for a contested ball, like, these are basics. There are all these yeah. things that they're not doing right now. And yeah. I don't, and when I say, when I say depth at, at fullback, for example, I don't mean just quality. I mean competition as well to make each other better. So I think all of that's missing. And it, and I don't know why because Klopp I feel like is the king of all of that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's there is no easy fix. I think I do I do think that simply getting Tiago back is going to solve maybe like tr- probably thirty to forty percent of the problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Um, and and I guess not starting Joe Gomez will, will probably help another fifteen. To twenty percent of them, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can't substitute just a lack of effort that we're seeing from some of the players, especially from Trent. You, we've we've talked about like the defending from him, and, and I've always been on the side of it doesn't not that necessarily doesn't matter, but you know your pros and cons, it, his ability on the ball outweighs um, the defensive problems most of the time. But you still have to try to defend, right? You still yeah. have to try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't think anyone would be upset ab- about him or, or, you know, get on him as much as they do if 
he was really trying and just getting beat one on one, and 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 you know he just maybe just doesn't have the the, the athletic ability to do it. But that's not what we're seeing when he when he plays. We're seeing this now, basically every other game. <laughs> like he's he just will switch off and just not yeah. try to recover. Like he'll get beat yeah. and not and not try to recover. Like that is unacceptable. That is 100%. completely unacceptable. That I I think it's the um the Simeone goal where Kavarcha gets past him. Just just kind of the it wasn't even he wasn't doing that much <laughs> to get past him. He just simply nicked it around the corner and then Trent right. just stopped running. Just yeah. Yeah. just put in a very light jog to get back. Um uh, and and that is like unacceptable. And so that is that is something I don't know how easy it is to change that. But but you just Someone's got to get in his ear and just, you have to try. Like, that, yeah. that's the bare minimum. Well, last question then on Liverpool um, before we switch to the other game. Do you think that Mo Salah is in a mini, mini crisis of anything? Do you feel like, like, what role do you think he plays in all of this? I, I think the effort is there from, from Salah for sure. But he, he does just look out of form right now. It's it's a very weird it's that post contract blip. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it, it's there were a few moments in that Napoli game where he just simply missed touches. Like, yeah, I, touches that you would expect him to make. He just didn't couldn't bring the ball down a few times when he was in really good positions, and didn't get off you know as good of shots as we know that he can. So this has kind of been something that's lingering the entire season so far. And um, I think that's a a slight concern, but I think the problems are so much more than him just being out of form right now that you got to just keep playing. He'll come back. I think he'll, it'll, he'll turn it around at some point. The real issue is that right now, Liverpool's not getting pressure on the ball like up the field. And we talked yeah. about this a few weeks ago. They don't want the ball to get anywhere close to their back line. Nope. That's side of the whole point of the Gagan pressing stuff. So when that fails, it's it's pretty catastrophic. It looks like what it's looked like for a lot of the season. Yep. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. So with that, we do have to move on to the other game that we do want to talk about. PSG against Juventus. Uh, Allegri's team has not really been in form this entire season. And you saw that last season. Oh, last season. (laughs) You saw that leading up to the game. You saw that during the game. And in fact, you saw that after the game when this past weekend, they thought they had won against, I think it was. Oh, my God. uh, Salernitana. I was watching. Salernitana. Yeah. Oh, man. If you haven't seen the last five minutes of that game, just go back and watch it. Hilarious. Yeah. Just go back and watch it. But PSG beating Juventus 2-1 with two wonderful Kylian Mbappe goals. Um, (laughs) What do you do with this stuff? I I don't, again, don't even think you may play that poorly in this game. They just, no, I don't think they did either. That's a funny quality. Like, like, what do you do with any of this? Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know. But Mbappe just kind of dominated. Like, he took, this is the definition of him, I think, taking the game by the scruff of the neck, like as people say. This is the, the best example of it. And 
I do have to shout out Weston McKinney for a wonderful header to not allow Donnarumma to keep a clean sheet, but it did feel like a lot of this game was won in the midfield. And Mm. the one player that really, really stuck out to me was Marco Verratti. Like the, the quality that he possesses in possession is so high and it is a damn shame that Italy is not going to the world cup because he would absolutely just uh, marvel. We would all marvel at at his class. It's a big reason why they won the Euros, right? Their their midfield period was a big reason why they won the Euros, right? 100% part of that. Um, Yeah. I think you got to give some, a lot of love to Neymar as well too right unfortunately who's, you do <laughs> <laughs> who's Continue. having his who at least to start the season is having his best season at psg maybe since his first season um no that's cool like, no all right yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm just i'm throwing you off continue oh no i'm sorry i know i know i know but i think he's he has six goals and six assists in the league so far in i think seven games yeah eight goals and six assists sorry and then (laughs) (laughs) and then an assist in the champions league and then two and then uh two goals from from basically the super cup he's been just unbelievable i mean the pass on the first mbappe goal again when i say just beat from pure quality like there's no defending what he what he did there's no defending that chip where not, not even chip from like a standing position yeah <laughs> just lifts it perfectly there's no defending that um and there was no real defending that second goal either too when you have Hakimi running at you and then playing a perfect one two with Mbappe and, and yeah yeah again beat by pure quality I think that that was like arguably Juventus's best performance of the season and that's saying a lot <laughs> so I, I, and granted I know it's PSG but at, they they still lost and never really looked like they could win the game uh, but they, they're in their own crisis at the moment right now and I really would not be surprised if um, Allegri does not finish the season with them and honestly I was thinking when Tuchel got fired yeah, I was thinking about some clubs that potentially could be his next stop, right? And and Juventus was one of the ones I thought about. A hundred percent. I mean, <clears throat> I texted you about the the round robin of Lapetegi going to Brighton and <laughs> Tuchel coming to Sevilla. Um, could could happen, could still happen, but I'm not holding out. But yes, I could absolutely see that. And for what it's worth, the one interesting thing about Neymar that I'll mention is. Guess who I believe has the most passes slash assists to him this entire season? Oh, it's got Messi, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think I was going to say, Mbappe? No, God. Oh, um, my gosh. No, but yeah, it is the, Messi. The, the, the narrative right themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, where would the um, his sister's birthday party invite go to? Would go oh, to if he had only had one? <laughs> that's, that's a narrative and a half, but. More importantly, yes, it is messy. And I think what's important about that is they are reconnecting and finding each other on the field. And I think 
a lot of credit here does have to go to Gautier. I think I pronounced yeah. that correctly um, for largely keeping this team in check, like from an ego standpoint and from a tactical standpoint, because you're starting to see that now, especially in these Champions League games against, as we call them, big sides. I mm-hmm. think that connection is going to continue to flourish. So I think we both looked at PSG before the season started as potential Champions League contenders, and they're continually proving that if they can stay healthy as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Look, it, it helps that, you know, God bless Pochettino, but <laughs> if he thought that those three guys were going to, were going to press, uh, like, come on. <laughs> like they, 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 he thinks he's dealing with Lucas Mora here, bro. Like, no, these guys are not going to press. Of course not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Gaultier has, has done well at, between him and and obviously the the kind of consultant whatever advisor role that that compass is um is playing for psg they have found midfielders who complement Verratti well but more than anything else complement the forwards well because they have workhorse like they're workers like and not, not to take any way any of the quality away from from Vitinha and, and mark Verratti, of course but yeah. they just have guys there who are we're willing to do the dirty work and that's what you need if you're going to be relying on those three guys up top and that's why basically every game you see them score it, it's some crazy assist between the three of them and someone scoring a disgusting goal and, and yeah yeah you know you can get away with it when it's just give one of these three guys the ball and they can't keep about, getting like, away with it <laughs> You're talking about like three of the top six, top five players basically in the world. Yeah. 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 Like the combinations are unbelievable when they, <laughs> when they, when they get them um, right. It is PlayStation stuff. Seriously. Basically. It is. Well, with that, Rian, I guess I will wrap things up by just giving everybody a overview of the rest of the results from match day one in, in the champions league. We had, gosh, where do I start? So many, so many games. Um, I guess I'll go through the major ones. Sevilla losing to City 4-0 and Milan drawing Salzburg uh, away from home. Of course, we talked about Celtic and Real Madrid. But Shakhtar beating Leipzig 4-1. Yeah, Ajax beating Rangers 4-0 as well. And Sporting putting the Europa League holders, Eintracht Frankfurt, um, down three goals to nil. And the big game, other than the ones that we talked about, Bayern defeating Inter 2-0 from a lovely goal from Leroy Sané, by the way. Mm. And Barcelona, Atletico, Tottenham, and of course, Napoli, as we talked about, all eking out wins uh, in their Atletico game. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. That is the most Atletico ending to a game (laughs) you will ever see. 100%. (laughs) Three goals in, in stoppage time and... 10 minutes of stoppage time or something like that. But more importantly, a game that didn't really have anything before that. Nothing. It was, yeah. it was a terrible game. Before that. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So go, if, our homework for our listeners, go back, watch the last five minutes of the Juventus game from this past weekend and the last 12 minutes of the Atletico game in the Champions League uh, against, was it Porto? Yes, Porto. Yeah. Yep. So now with that, ladies and gentlemen, we will, we're going to wrap up, have a great rest of the week, and we'll be back hopefully after this round of games this upcoming weekend, whichever games even get played. <laughs> Thanks, guys.